Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Wonderful. Well, it's good to be here. I'm glad you're here. So let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Matthew. It's the first book in the New Testament. New Testament starts with the book of Matthew, and we're going to begin reading in verse, or chapter 8 and verse 5. But while you're on your way there, I'll torture you like I did the first service a little bit. I don't know if you've noticed this or seen it and maybe wondered why that the Swedish um, ships um, have barcodes on the side of them. Anybody wondered that? Why do these Swedish ships? So that when they come into port, they can Scandinavian. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. It's... It's after Thanksgiving. I'm sorry. I didn't have much time to research a better joke for you. <laughs> Verse 5, Matthew chapter 8. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. I've just titled today's message, Over Under. Over Under. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him. What is a centurion? It's a Roman soldier. As a matter of fact, it's a Roman captain over a hundred men. All right. Centurion, century saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. How many of you know that's not, that's not good? He's not in good shape, all right? He's paralyzed for one thing and then dreadfully tormented. He's not only paralyzed, but he can't do anything about it. And the word tormented here means to be in pain and anguish and distress, all right? So not only can he not move, he can't move out of his pain, can't move out of his distress, He's dreadfully tormented. Verse 7, and Jesus said to him, I love this, I will come and heal him. This is one of the reasons I love Jesus. He's just ready to go. I will come and heal him. And you know what Jesus said? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So this shows us what's in the heart of God when it comes to people who are suffering. I will come and heal him. I'll come and help. I I want to be the church that's known like that. Uh, I, want to, I want to be the church in our city, in our community, wherever God has us, whether it's here in McKinney and Irving and Granbury or wherever, that people know us to be the church that will come and help. I'll come and lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I will come cast out a devil. I will come give. I'll come support. I'll come be a help. Huh? Am I talking to the right people today? I think I am. I'm standing here talking to you. I will come and heal him. Verse 8. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. But only speak a word, say speak a word, and my servant will be healed. Verse 9, for I also am a man, what? I'm going to say it nice and loud, under authority. Come on, Americans, you prideful Americans. I'm a, Texans on top of that. I, who, I ain't answering to nobody. But right here it says, under authority. Amen. See, the amens always dwindle right here. <laughs> I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. In other words, he said, because I'm under, I have others under me. The position is, first of all, I have someone over me. That means I can have someone under me. Hmm? All right. And I say this to the one, I say to this one, go, and he goes to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Verse 10. Look at Jesus. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled. And said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great 
faith, the word great there means an abundance, a large quantity of. I've not seen, found a large quantity of faith, not even in Israel. How is it that a Gentile gets it, but the sons of the kingdom don't get it? How is it that one who does not have a covenant with God gets it, but the children of promise don't get it? It says he marveled. He was astonished. He was in wonderment about what this man said. I want us to jump over to the book of Luke for a moment. We're going to read this account, and we're going to get a little better detail on this story and find out something interesting. It's Luke chapter 7 and verse 2. And a, centurion, and a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. Verse 3. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. So according to Luke, the centurion wasn't there bodily. There was someone there representing him. All right? Specifically, these Jewish elders. Verse 4. And when they, had came, when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying, that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. Oh, okay. Verse 5, For he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Let me just say this. This is no ordinary Roman centurion. He loves the nation of Israel, and he's built them a synagogue. Yeah. If you know anything about that time, there was a great rift between Israel and the Roman government, all right? And any time a soldier wanted, wanted to just make one of them his servant, he could be walking down the street and say, here, carry my bag, and, and they would have to carry it for as long as he told them they were going to carry it because they were under Roman oppression. And many of the Jews were greatly mistreated and abused because of this rule. This centurion is no ordinary centurion, though. Something about the nation of Israel captured his heart. It was their... Their God, it was the way they worshiped God, and he wanted to be a part of that. He wanted to be able to give toward that, and so he loved the nation and built the synagogue. Now watch this, verse 6. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was already not far from the house, so he's close, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Wow. Verse 7. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word. Let's say that part again. Say the word. So we see that these two things are alike in Matthew's gospel and in Luke's gospel, right? Say the word, and my servant will be healed. Verse 8, for I also am a man placed under authority. Say under authority. Having soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Verse 9. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. Again, we see in both accounts Jesus marveling. And turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Father, thank you for these next few minutes here with your people. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege I have to share the word of God, to teach the word. Thank you, God, for the grace of God upon me to do this. And, Lord, I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ to be upon the hearers of this word today whether that be those who are sitting in this room, those watching by live stream, or those listening by podcast. I thank you for the spirit of wisdom to be upon them now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Jesus, verse 5 of chapter 8 of Matthew, at Intercapernaum, a centurion came. I want to I walk through this just a little slowly for just a moment. 
In Matthew chapter 10, we see that Jesus takes a moment to send his own disciples out to do the kind of works that he did. We know that Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him, and he laid hands on the sick, and they recovered, and he cast out devils. So now, in Matthew chapter 10, just right previous to this, at the end of chapter 9, he sees that Israel is like sheep having no shepherd. And it grieves him, and he tells his disciples, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. So then he takes it upon himself in chapter 10 to commission his disciples to go do what he did. And so to to advance the work, to, to expand the work, that only he as one man could do, now he's given that gift and that power to these other men so that they could do more together. And as they went, he said, now listen to me, I don't want you going except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Don't go to where the Gentiles are and don't go to where the half-Havsies are, the half-Jews, known as the Samaritans. He said, I want you going to the pure race. I want you going to the Jews. Now I know sometimes that's hard for us sitting here today to, to, to see Jesus in that light, to think that he was... Uh, Um, selective, but he was, because God was selective at that time. When Jesus came to this earth, no doubt his blood was shed for all of us, but his earthly ministry, his physical earthly ministry was exclusively to the Jewish people. He taught them, he healed them, he cast devils out of them. He had very, very little contact at all with Gentile people, all right? Because they're covenant people. These are children of Abraham, natural-born children of Abraham. So they're in covenant with God, and so they, are, they have a right to all that is in that covenant, and one of those rights was for healing. And so now it's kind of interesting that this centurion, this Roman centurion who does not have a covenant with God, yet is making a request of Jesus to get healing for his servant. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. So why is Jesus even giving any attention to this Gentile's request? Two things. Number one, first of all, he has Jewish representatives come on his behalf. That's a smart move. All right, Because maybe this centurion knew that the rabbi, Jesus Christ, the teacher, the prophet, the son of the living God would not give him attention. But he knew him being called to the Jews would go to the, they would have a better audience with him. And so he sends the Jewish elders to, to Jesus. They tell him, Jesus, this is a good man. There's no ordinary uh, uh, Roman citizen. There's no Roman, ordinary Roman centurion. He loves our nation. And, and, and he's even helped us build a synagogue. So he's worthy of you to do this for him. I think that probably helped a little bit in their request. But let's just go to the other part of that, the servant, the man's servant. These, these Romans had Jewish servants, and that's how they served. They served the Roman government, served the Roman individual, and they could just take up any of them that they wanted to. So the, the likelihood of him being a Jew, the servant being a Jew, is extremely high. All right? So the fact that he said, come and heal my servant, and Jesus immediately responds by saying, I will go healing, that tells us that this must be a Jew, <laughs> probably not a Gentile, that he's going to lay hands on. All right? So he's heading to the house. Imagine that. Jesus is heading to the house. And along the way, this centurion gets to thinking about Jewish law. And Jewish law says, according to Peter, you can bring that scripture up, Brooke, if you want. He, Acts chapter 10, verse 28, he shows up at Cornelius' house. This is later on after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And he's standing in this, in this Gentile's house, and this is what he says about it. He, says, he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. In other words, since the resurrection of Christ, things have changed. 
That, that wall of separation between Jew and Gentile, the Scripture says, in Jesus Christ, has been torn down. And now God is no respecter of persons. Everyone is equal in His eyes by His grace. Thank God for that. Every race, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, we are all equal in the eyes of God. All right? And all of us who will believe on Him like Abraham did, we get all the covenants, we get all the promises that are in that covenant. Amen. So that's why you can rightfully claim healing to be yours today because your faith is in God. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and you are heirs according to the promise. So it's unlawful. So that this, this, this centurion is thinking about this. Obviously, he loves the nation of Israel enough and built them a synagogue, so he knows how they work, and he knows their law. So he realizes the rabbi is coming to my house, and it's unlawful for him to do that. What am I thinking? So then he sends out his friends to catch Jesus before he gets to his house and says, Lord, I'm not worthy that you even come into my roof. That's why I didn't even think myself worthy to come to you. But do this. If you'll just speak the word, I'll get the same results as if you yourself showed up at my house. Oh, my family, if we could get this revelation. Because see, here it is. He's really a picture of us today. You and I have not physically seen Jesus. And we're not going to see him until we see him. <laughs> and you're going to know when you see him. And Peter says, now we're living in this reality that we love him even though we haven't seen him. Yet we believe. And we believe on the name of Jesus. And therefore, we know and we look forward to His appearing, His glorious appearing. But right now, we haven't seen Him, but yet we believe Him. We haven't seen Him, and yet we love Him. And that's what this Gentile, that's his, his experience, is your, your my experience. And so what does he say? What's the solution? If we can't get Jesus physically here, what do we need? We need a word from God. If I can just get a word, if you'll just speak a word, I'll get the same results. Because let me tell you something today, my family. The promises of God, His very living word, is just as powerful and just a, as real an experience as Himself standing there in front of you. As His very physical frame being there. And see, this Gentile understood it. He got a revelation by faith in Jesus. And Jesus is astonished by what this man says. That's not the only thing that he said that was powerful enough. Now think about this. You might not think, okay, what's the big deal that he, that he asked Jesus to send a word? Well, hey, nobody had ever done that before. In Jesus' earthly ministry, no one had ever asked him to send a word. Jesus was always physically present with every miracle that he did. He laid hands on people and they recovered. He cast devils out. You don't have any devils, so you don't have to worry about that. Cast devils and they came out. And he, he, he was there. He turned water into wine. And now here's this outsider who makes this bizarre request. You know what? I don't even need you there. You just speak a word. He has nothing to fall back on. He has no prior story to relate to. Now, that ha happened before in Matthew chapter 9. Chapter 9, remember the story of the woman with the issue of blood? Remember what she said? If I can only touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made whole, right? She had spent all of her money on doctors and, and even grew worse. Twelve years she's dealing with this issue or a flow of blood, according to the law, had made her impure and unclean. She could not mingle in society like this. And, and most of the time, that only lasted according to her cycle, one, one week out of the month. But now this woman has a cycle for every day for 12 straight years. You talk about the chip, a chip on somebody's shoulder. Can you imagine? Bad enough during one week, but uh, 12 years. <laughs> 12 years. So now, 
She spent all of her money on doctors and didn't grow worse. So now not only is she, she a scourge of society, now she's broke. And she's incurable. What does she have to lose now? I mean, that's no lie. She hears about Jesus coming to town. No lawful right to even get close to him, but what does she do? She abandons all of that and thinks, you know what? If they end up stoning me, it's better than the way I'm living right now. But she got it in her heart. If I can just get to the one who heals, I know I'll be healed. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made healed. And she did, and she got there, and she did get healed. And she stopped the entire thing. Jesus wasn't even having a healing service. He's walking down a street. There's a crowd throng, and he's just walking along. All of a sudden, she came up behind him, wham, and just yanked some of that power right out of him. That's what he said. He said, somebody touch me because I felt power go out of me. I wasn't giving it out. They came up and stole it from me. I love that. I love faith. Faith, faith, the answer to faith is up from God as always, yes. Even when he's not even intentionally giving it out, you still get it because you believe. Faith is powerful. God loves. He's, it, it, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Amen. But walking by faith surely does please him. Chapter, 15, for chapter 14, a few chapters later, apparently this news about this woman doing this had gotten out among the community because Jesus came to another area. Let's look at this in Matthew 14, verse 34. It says, when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. And verse 35, and when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all the surrounding region, brought to him all who were sick. Verse 36, watch this. And begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. Where'd they get that from? See, they had a story to, to relate to before. They said, hey, if it worked for somebody else, we're going to call on that event. If it worked for them, it's got to work for us. And as many as touched, guess what? We're made perfectly well, just like that woman. But here's a Gentile who has, who has not been a recipient of any kind of miracle whatsoever, and yet now he says something that is far out of the scope of what Jesus' ministry looks like at this point. He's always been there. People are touching him. He's touching them. But now he says, send a word. I'm going to say this to you. All you need is a word from God your situation that's all you need and the scripture says his word is near you even in your mouth and in your heart it's that close what is it that you have need of what kind of breakthrough do you need what kind of trouble do you find yourself in today get a word from God and if you'll speak that word like David said you sent your word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction well to make a long story short guess what Jesus did exactly what this man said. He did exactly as he requested. He sent a word. And when the servants got back to the house, or when his friends got back to the house, guess what? The servant was completely made whole. Wow. It happened exactly as he asked. But that's not the only thing that was really interesting about this man. It's what he said after. I am a man also. I also am a man under authority. Therefore, I have soldiers under me. So I say to this one, go, and he goes, why does he, get to, why does he go? Because I'm a man under authority, which means the words that I carry have weight because I'm speaking on behalf of my superior. I'm speaking on behalf of my authority. And Jesus, I know if you're anything like me and you are like me, I also am a man under authority. I know that you're here under authority from God so that when God speaks, you speak. And when you speak his word, that word carries weight, and it's just like him saying it. So all I need you to do is say it. Hmm? All you have to do is say it because he has spoken it. 
And whatever God has spoken, if you'll come in line with it, if you'll come into agreement with God's word and say, Lord, you said it, I'm going to say it. You said it, I'm going to say it. You said I can have it, then I'm going to have it. And Jesus writes us a blank check and says, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Well, my God in heaven, that sounds like I could just get anything. But the religious man says, no, now wait a second. He obviously doesn't mean whatever things. Why did he say whatever things then? Why are you trying to talk me out of faith? I don't need your reasoning. Please, thank you. I've had enough human reasoning in my life. I need miracles. I need God's intervention. And I know it's going to take faith in God, not faith in what I think God said, but in truly what he said. Whatever things you desire when you pray, believe, you receive them, and you will have them. See, religious people get us thinking, no, 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 we don't want that. We just want what he desires. He said whatever you desire. You got a higher standard than Jesus? Okay. All right, let's keep moving. He's, hmm. I love this story. High yield, low maintenance. <laughs> High yield, low maintenance. I'm not asking, Lord, just, you just send the word. That's all I need. I don't even need you to come to my house. I don't need you to put on a big healing service. I just need a word. That's all I need. I just need a word. And Jesus marveled at this. He marvels at this. Let me, let me say this to you today. That it's one thing to believe God, and, and we believe that that's everything. But let me tell you what that means to believe God. That is not only to believe Him, but to also be submitted to whatever He says to do. To be submitted to His authority. Yeah. You think about this. Jesus marveled. He can't be an easy guy to impress. How do you marvel God? I mean, you would think Jesus would say, I knew you were going to say that. Right? How do you marvel Him? How How does Jesus get astonished at somebody if He supposedly knows everything? How do you marvel Him? Well, Two places Jesus marveled. One, did I tell you this already? At this, this, this scripture right here. Two places in scripture where Jesus marveled. One was here, where at someone's great faith, the abundance of faith. The other place was in Mark chapter 6, at the absence of faith. He was astonished at their absence of faith. He came back to his own hometown, and it says that the presence of God was there to heal them, but he could do no mighty works except heal a few sick people. You know, that's not a mighty work to heal sick people. That's, that's everyday life for us believers to lay hands on the sick. Those aren't miracles. That's not, those aren't mighty works. huh? That's what it says. He could do no mighty works there except heal a few sick people. <laughs> I thought that was pretty big, Jesus. This supernatural life is pretty extraordinary, isn't it? How many of you think that we could bring our believing up a little bit more? Hmm? And it says he could do no mighty works. It didn't say he couldn't, wouldn't. It says he could do no mighty works because of their unbelief. Even Jesus himself was limited in what he could do because of their unbelief. And he marveled, it says, he marveled at their unbelief. But he didn't leave him at that. I love this. You know what, you know, so you know what Jesus did? 
It says he went in a circuit teaching. How do you get unbelief out of people? You teach it out of them. Because faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. Okay, there's your little extra bit today. That was a little side of mashed potatoes. I wouldn't expect him to throw on your plate. Charles Spurgeon said this, If you believe God a little, He will bless you a little. If you believe Him to the hilt, He will bless you to the full. Your faith, listen to this, your faith can never outrun the manifestations of divine love. Your faith can never outrun the manifestations of divine love. So you're going to see in your life, in your marriage, in your ministry, in your career, in your job, your school, uh, God do no more than what you believe that He can do. So believe that anything's possible. What made Him marvel? He said, I am a man under authority. Therefore, I am over others. You know, you'll never be over those things that God has set under you. Listen to me. You'll never be over those things that God has set under you until you learn to be under those things that God has placed over you. God is the author of authority. If you read Hebrews chapter 13, it talks about being in submission to authority. And then it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In context, that verse fits right into God starts with authority, He's still doing authority, and He will never stop using authority in the earth. He's the same yesterday and forever. We know that that, that statement is axiomatic in principle, but in context to that verse, it's talking about God is only going to operate by means of authority. All right, can we go to one more scripture? Let's go to Romans chapter 13. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Every, did you see that? Did it say every soul except mine? Did it say every soul except yours? Are you part of that every soul? All right, this is where all the amens kind of go quiet, but I'm going to still give it to you anyway. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from who? Except from who? Who's that authority from? What are we supposed to do with that authority? Okay, just making sure we're all still reading the same verse here. And the authorities that exist are appointed by who? Oh, Jesus. Why did you let that guy in office? I didn't. You did. You're the American. Anyway, verse 2. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. Uh, those who resist will bring, bring judgment on themselves. Isn't it interesting that the thought behind a rebellious move is to be free? When actually, that actually takes you into bondage. Rebellion from any kind of authority doesn't free anyone. It puts them in bondage. Uh, don't, don't, hey, don't ever mistake what, how we became a nation as a rebellion. As some unrighteous thing. No, this was a reckoning. Because we were being treated unjustly. And so we rose up against injustice and became the free nation that we are today. All right? If that wasn't of God, he wouldn't have allowed it. Are you hearing me? Therefore, whoever resists authority resists the ordinances of the ordinance of God. Oh, my goodness. Man, oh, man. This was all pretty good preaching until this. Because your, your attitude toward human authority that you can see, listen to me, your attitude toward authority that you, human authority that you can see, reveals and reflects your attitude about your heavenly Father that you can't see. So if you, if you tend to bristle at authority, 
If you've got an authority issue, you've got an issue with God. And you need to suck it up. Amen. You need to get over yourself. Quit acting like you've got a right to everything because you don't have a right to everything. You don't have a right to speak evil of those that are in authority over you. I don't care how many platforms are out there to give you that voice. You need to shut that voice down and submit to the authorities in your life because God's blessing is in that. I don't care if everybody else is doing it. Hmm? It's, anybody can be a fool. Is it okay if we talk like we're adults here this morning? Is it okay? Is this too much? I mean, do we want to go back? I can teach you a kids' church lesson if you want. Or, or we, can, we can talk like big people here. Huh? Because I want to see your life going in, in the right direction. I don't want to see you living a foolish kind of life, thinking that you can somehow subject or, or, or subvert authority and live some kind of life of blessing. That ain't going to happen, my brothers and sisters. It's not going to happen. That's not how God operates in the earth. Jesus himself said, I am not, I, I, whatever I say, I don't speak on my own authority. I say whatever God says to say. He was fully submitted, even though he was God in the flesh. Yeah, he didn't do anything of his own accord. He waited for the Father. And he said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's in full submission to me. He's going to take of mine and give it to you. He's not going to speak on his own authority. If God himself will not go outside of authority, who in the world do we think we are that we think we can operate our lives outside of submission to authority? What kind of foolish thinking is that? Maybe that's why you're dealing with some of the trouble you are right now. Maybe that's why you keep smacking your head up against the same wall. Maybe you need to humble yourself today and come up under authority that has been governed by God. Do you know what I found to be true? For some reason, and I don't know why, but I trust God. Some reason, for some reason, if you're going to be under authority, if you're going to have authority and be able to speak over someone's life, God is going to many times bring you under somebody who doesn't seem worthy of your submission. Somebody you're going to disagree with on every turn. You think, God, why would you? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm watching you. Because your submission is not based upon what decisions your boss is making. Your submission is based on what is in your heart to me. Let's just talk to King David for a second. The king was trying to kill him. He was trying to kill his own king, trying to kill him. And David would not, he would not retaliate. Even though two different times Saul was putty in his hands. You remember the time they were up in that cave and Saul comes in there to do his business as they've been hunting down David and Saul goes up in that cave and squats down and takes care of business. And while he's doing there, being there and he's squatting, David's in the recesses of this cave with his men, and they're like, David, here's your chance to kill this man. God gave him to you. God delivered this man into your hands. Take his throat. Take his head. So David sneaks up behind the king, grabs his knife, and cuts the bottom of his robe off and recesses back into that dark cave. He doesn't touch the king, doesn't kill him. But the moment he cut that cloth, it says his heart struck him. And he said, oh, God, I've sinned. You didn't sin. You didn't do nothing, man. Kill that guy. He said, I've sinned. I've touched the anointed. Far be it for me to touch the anointed one of God. David, are you crazy? You're the anointed king. You're the anointed king. What are you talking about? Uh, he's talking about being under authority. When it's not easy, anybody, as I said, can be a fool. Anybody can submit even when they agree. But what if you don't agree? 
can you really still submit? That's where the testing is. Can you be bigger than just agreement? Can you go beyond your own opinion and how you think it ought to be and how you feel? And can you simply submit? Mm, amen. I know you love me. I feel your love right now. I just feel it all over me right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's okay. I'm assuming you're loving me. I'm going to finish with this. David, he's an old man. He's done having wars. All the, that's for the young men now. David's given tours of the castle. Just like, you know, the president does sometimes with the White House. He's given tours of his castle. And they're walking down these great halls, and David's showing them all the spoils of war. They walk by this massive sword that's, that's nailed to the wall there. And I said, what's that? He says, oh, that's the sword of Goliath. I was just a teenage kid when I whipped him. But let me remind you, I didn't do that of my own strength. I did that in the name of the Lord. We con I conquered the, the giant that day, and we defeated the Philistine army, one of our most formidable foes. Wow. And they keep walking along, and he comes across a javelin on the wall. What's that? Oh, that's the day that Saul tried to kill me, actually, two different times. He tried to pin me to the wall with that thing when I was simply playing my guitar for him. He would have played a guitar if he'd have been around today. Once David found distortion, he never would have gone back. I'm convinced of it. He says, I plan, and, and, the, and the, many times I would come in and would drive evil spirits away, but, Paul, but Saul tried to kill me with that. That's that spear, that javelin. And so there it is to remind me that God was there to protect me and keep me safe. And, and, then, and, then, and then they come over and they see a robe and they see another sword and they see a bow and arrow there all there together. And he, they say, what's that? Oh, that's, that's right in the midst of all that trouble with the king. His son Jonathan gave me those. and We made covenant together. And that was the surety that God was with me, even in the midst of all of that trouble that I had a friend. Matter of fact, he was a greater friend to me than any relationship I ever, ever could find with any man or woman after that. Dear friend. Then they come into this, this great banquet hall and they, they see these kings, the great men of war and all those champions of war all sitting around feasting. And, but then they see this one man who is sitting there kind of unkempt. He's crippled. He said, he doesn't look like the rest of them. He says, yeah, that's, that's Mephibosheth. That's King Saul's grandson. I made a promise to his son Jonathan that I would be kind to his house, and he's here because of a promise I made. Not because he's brought anything to the table, but because Jonathan is my friend. And in that room, in that banqueting room, in that feast room, there on the wall to a nail is just one torn piece of purple cloth. King David, what is that? Of all the things that I conquered in this life as a king, all the enemies I overcame and in the name of the Lord and saw great victories, that cloth right there was the day that I overcame myself. And I submitted to a king who wanted me dead. And I found that my life is better today having submitted to authority than had I not. 
your life will be better tomorrow and the next day and the next day if you will choose that you're going to not correct authority but submit to authority and let God do the correcting. God will exalt you in due time. I don't care where you are. You might think you're a thousand miles away from where you need to be, but if you'll just submit where you are right there, God will get you where you think you ought to be. He's faithful. He watches over His Word to perform it, and He loves you very much. Can I get a good amen today? Amen. amen. Believing God is to believe that anything's possible, but it also is to declare, I am someone who's under authority, and I'm going to stay here. Therefore, I'm going to be able to have authority that God gave me because I'm under authority. Father, thank you for this time together with your precious people. Lord, I pray that we would all be sure that we would be careful to weigh our words and our attitudes and our thoughts and our feelings and to not be governed by just how we feel or think, but God by faith in God. And to understand that you are at work in this earth through lines and ways and veins of authority. And that if we will submit to whoever is over us, we will certainly be given much to be over. This is how you operate in the earth, God. Your word is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. The proof of that is here, that no matter what report we hear from men or even have said ourselves, when we say what you've said, that becomes the highest authority. So, Lord, we, we choose today to submit to your authority. We choose today, God, to not live like some lone wolf out here, but, Father God, to live in the security and the safety of submission. Thank you, Father God, for helping your people today. Whatever needs they have today, that those needs would be met according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Thank you that you're a very present help in time of need. You know what we have need of before we ask, but Lord, you said ask and you will receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. We thank you for that today. Bless your people, Lord. Bless them abundantly. Thank you, Father God, for strengthening the mind, body, and spirit in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Aren't you grateful to God for His goodness? Aren't you grateful for His glorious gospel? I thank God for His gospel. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and He rose again the third day. Whoever believes on Him will have everlasting life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.